0: The Department of Water Resources, a Department of Water Resources representative, stopped at a Texas ranch to talk to an old rancher. He tells the rancher, I need to inspect your ranch for water allocation. The old rancher said, okay, but don't go to the field over there. (laughs) The water representative says, mister, I have the authority of the federal government with me. See this card? This card means that I'm allowed to go wherever I wish on this agricultural land. No questions asked or answered. Have I made myself clear? Do you understand? The old rancher nods politely, goes and goes about his chores. Later, the old rancher Hears screams. And he sees this water rep running for his life. And close behind this ranch close behind this rep was the rancher's bull. And the bull was gaining on every step. <laughs> the rep. Was terrified, the old rancher immediately threw down his tools, ran through the fence, and yelled at the top of his lungs, your card, your card, show him your card. (laughs) 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 Wouldn't you say this rep... (laughs) He was in a storm in that moment. <laughs> he was facing a terrible storm in his life. And if that bull's horn got him, that storm was going to last longer than he'd have wanted it to. <laughs> he was facing a storm. Today, we want to talk about Jesus and the storms of life. I'll go ahead and share this with you. You know, at first, when I first going through this message and this this illustration come to me i really was going to title it jesus and his authority (laughs) but uh but the message has taken a different turn as we begin to just look at the storms of life jesus and the storms of life the bible tells us in chapter four (coughs) the gospel of mark 35 through 41 it says on the same day and i'm reading from the new king james today On the same day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now, when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. And other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. But he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, who can this be, that even the wind and the sea obey him? This is God's holy word. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the authority that you have. We thank you, God, that you are our calm in the midst of whatever storm this life throws at us. So, God, we pray that you would open our hearts and minds as we look into your word today. And, God, help us to not only apply your word to our lives, but help those who don't know you through your son, Jesus Christ, to understand that you are the peace that they are seeking in this world. God, we pray that you would move and minister according to your will, according to your riches and glory. And we'll praise you for all that is accomplished. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. It appears that Jesus has had a long day. It appears that he is very tired. After all, we have to go back to when the day began and we would need to go all the way back to Mark, thir- Mark 3 and verse 13. In those verses, what we find is Jesus had spent the night communing with God and the following morning, he appointed 12 men who would be with him. He would empower these men to go out and to preach the gospel, to heal the sick and to cast out demons. But before they could even sit down for breakfast, he had a confrontation with scribes. His friends and family thought he had gone crazy and tried his family tried to kidnap him. Jesus then began to teach the people in parables, and he also spent time explaining the parables to his disciples. During the day, Jesus sat in a boat just a little offshore of the Sea of Galilee, and from the boat, he preached to a great multitude standing along the seashore. So when the day was over, he called his disciples to set sail to the other side of the sea. Now, here as darkness begins to fall, the disciples begin to make their way across the sea. The disciples were used to being on the sea. Several of them were fishermen by trade. So the disciples guided the boat while Jesus took a nap, while Jesus went to sleep in the stern of the boat. What this is a reminder of for you and I is that we all need rest from time to time. Yes, Jesus was 100% God, but he was also 100% man. And, And while the Holy Spirit guided him, he was still in a body of flesh. His body got tired just like yours and mine. Psalm 103 and 14 says, For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. We don't always remember that we are dust. We don't always remember that the body is going back to the dust from which it came. But Jesus was aware of that fact. Hebrews 4 and 15 tells us we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Jesus understood everything that we go through. And we don't, we can't have the audacity to think that he just doesn't understand. He was clothed in flesh and blood. 33 and a half years, he walked in flesh and blood just as you and I. He experienced all this trouble that this body gives you and I. They may not have at that time defined things like diabetes or, or cancer or heart disease. That's okay. He understood just how frail the body was. There's something that really can't be missed about this passage. We can't miss just how tired Jesus must have been. In verse 36, they took him along in the boat as he was. This means that he didn't go get a change of clothing. He didn't take time to let others know where he would be. He didn't take time to take a shower. He just left in the boat Just as he was. Some of you may not understand this, but all of you should know how tired you can be from being pushed and pulled on all day. Jesus was pushed and pulled on from the time he got up until the time they headed across the sea. Yeah, you women who have a child or you have children, you also have a husband, a job, extended family and friends, you know how tiring life can be. You men who have jobs and you have wives who love you and who desire your presence and your attention and your help, you have active children and and extended family, you know what it's like to be pulled on from every side. Do you know what this does? It exhausts you. That's what it does. And when you don't get proper rest, you become irritable. You lose the ability to focus. You make everyone around you mad and you eventually crash. Somebody should have said amen. Amen. Because every one of you felt this from time to time. If you haven't, you haven't been doing what you're called to do. Every one of us has had to feel this in some, at some point in our lives. You know, Brother Marcus said this a long time ago, and I'll never forget it. We have a tendency to find, when we need something to get done, find someone who's busy. Because someone who's busy knows how to get things done. Instead of someone who doesn't have anything, we tend to look for the ad add and to pile on someone else. And you know what we like to do? We like to say, okay, I'll take it. I'll, I'll get it done. Because we hate to tell people no, right? Yeah, some of us. Some of us, we hate to tell people no. <laughs> Jesus shows us here in this text that we can fall prey to overextending ourselves. To be the best of ourselves, we need proper rest. I appreciate some of you here. I, those of you, perhaps many of you here, you recognize that pastoring a church is no easy feat. For a pastor, there's a lot of stress and there's a lot of pressure. But more than that, there's a lot of heaviness. It's a heaviness that you can't understand. Now, some of you may be thinking uh, he's exaggerating this, but the heaviness of pastoral work is unmatched yes. by any job that's ever been created in this world. Amen. There's nothing that carries the weight of it that pastor and a church carry. And it doesn't matter if it's a pastor, if it's a church of 30 or 30,000. The weight of it the heaviness of it <laughs> is unmatched. And for those of you who appreciate our work, my family and I genuinely appreciate you and your concern. You know, it, it's easy to go on a vacation when people are telling you you need it, preacher. You and your family need to get away. And it's it's easy to go, but we we never Get this out of our heart and mind. When I was doing line work, I could go away and never think about line. As a matter of fact, when I got off the job, I had the uncanny ability that my dad didn't have. I didn't think of line work. Whatever we had to do the next day, we'd done it the next day. But I don't have that ability with this. There's never a day when it's not on my mind. There's never a day when you're not. On my mind. I'm glad it's that way. I really am glad it's that way. You know, we would all be better if we were on each other's minds all the time. Because we would pray for each other. We would be compassionate toward each other. We would care for each other. We'd be there for each other. We all. We all need to be considerate of one another at all times. And, and my family and I, we really appreciate this church. But here in this passage, what I want us to notice is a couple of things. In this passage, we clearly see that we as individuals, we as people, we tend to panic in the midst of storms. And, you know, th- verse 37 tells us that the great, a great storm arose and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. The description of this storm puts us in the mind of a hurricane. Think about it. There were no news broadcasts. There were no meteorologists. There were no tracking the activity of the ocean. There was no warning at all that a hurricane was coming. What we do know is there was a severe storm that arose. This indicates that the storm, it caught these fishermen, these seasoned fishermen off guard. It appears that they had no warning of this storm whatsoever being brewing on the water, as they were taking off the head to the other side, the storm was so severe that the gusts of winds were causing waves to rip and to roar. Heavy rains, probably most likely, accompanied this windstorm. And the wind, the wind, the storm was so violent that the waves and the rain were causing the boat to take on water immediately. These fishermen, who were experienced in handling the boats on the Galilean Sea, were in such a panic in this storm that they went and woke Jesus up, who was sleeping peacefully in the stern of the boat. But they didn't just wake him up. They accused him of not caring about their welfare. Have you ever felt so desperate that you began to panic? We know what Job's wife did. We know that she got into a position where she began to panic. After all, she told, after Job had lost his wealth and his his children and his health, she told him to curse God and die. She began to panic. But Job told her, you speak as one of the foolish women speaks. Shall we indeed accept good from God? And shall we not accept adversity? The Bible says in all of this, Job did not sin with his lips. Now, we know that's early on in the story, right? (laughs) Because later in chapter 30, Job begins to complain. Job begins to question God. As a matter of fact, in verses 20 through 23, Job says this, I cry out to you, you being God. But you do not hear; you do not answer me. I stand up and you regard me. But you have become cruel to me. With the strength of your hand, you oppose me. You lift me up to the wind and cause me to ride on it. You spoil my success. For I know that you will bring me to death and to the house appointed for all the living. Here, Job is accusing God of so much. If God would have put this upon him, he would have surely died. But God didn't do this to him. God just allowed Satan to do so much to him. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, Job was in the midst of a storm and he just couldn't see it letting up. He became discouraged and he began to think back on his life that and he couldn't see just how he deserved What he was going through. In verses 24 through 31 in the same chapter, Job's depression was evident. In chapter 31, Job uses the term, if I, so many times that in chapter 32, it says, so these three men ceased answering Job because he was righteous in his own eyes. Oh, in case you didn't know, yes, Job did question God. He didn't question God's authority, but he questioned why. He was uh, experiencing all of this. Folks, we do face storms in life. Some come out of nowhere. Some are incredibly violent. Some knock us down hard. Some hit us so hard that we forget even how to breathe. We begin to think that God either doesn't see us or he just doesn't care. But I want to remind us, Psalm 121, 3 and 4 says this, He will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. We must come to terms with the fact that Our God, he's not concerned with our storms. No matter how big they are, they're not too big for him. He will not allow you to go through a storm that he cannot and he will not bring you through. He chooses your storm for you. So we don't have to panic in the midst of the storm. Again, God's not concerned with your storm because your storm is not for him. It's for you. His concern is that we trust him. In the midst of whatever storm we find our lives in. From time to time, we'll face a storm that will cause us to have a pity party. It'll cause us to try to figure out what we've done to deserve to be in the storm. But if we trust him with our death, if we trust him with eternity, if we trust him that we're going to spend eternity with him, we can trust him with whatever this world throws at us. Psalm 145 and 8 says, the Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and great in mercy. So we don't have to panic in the midst of the storms that come our way. Why? Why is this so important? Why is it that we need to really catch hold of this? Because he desires for us to have peace in the midst of our storms. Our rest and peace is a concern for Jesus. These seasoned fishermen found themselves in what appeared to be the most violent storm they had ever experienced. They had tried to handle the situation themselves, but the situation had gotten out of hand for them. Maybe they thought Jesus would have awakened on his own because most men would have woke up. (laughs) But they were wrong. And now they just couldn't wait any longer. The disciples cried out, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? (laughs) They confessed here that they were perishing. These were prideful men. These were men who were very capable in their profession. And their profession was the sea. They had always handled every situation up to this point on their own. But now they have... To confess that they need help. They needed help that only God could provide. So Jesus arose. He rebuked the wind and he spoke to the sea. Peace be still. The Bible says the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. The word peace be still in the Greek it means muzzled. So the word muzzled here again shows us the fury and the violence of the storm. And it stresses the dramatic act of what Jesus done. (laughs) You know, I wonder if we really get a glimpse, if we really are picturing how much of a miracle this actually was. That he just spoke and the violent storm that was flooding their boat—it just stopped. It just stopped. The movie—the <laughs> movie with Mark Wahlberg in it—they were fishermen and they were out on the, on the sea, and storm come up. And they were taking a chance, and everyone lost their lives. You know, I pictured that as I was going through this and and thinking. Maybe that's what they were experiencing. Maybe what they were experiencing was worse, but it was no less than. The thing was with Mark Wahlberg and, and those other characters in their boat, Jesus wasn't there. <laughs> with the disciples, Jesus was there. Adam Hamilton tells us the story of leading a team down to Bay St. Louis to help gut houses after Katrina. They were assigned to a woman whose Brick House was completely inundated. They were asked to gut a two-story garage. The room above the garage were were filled with hundreds and hundreds of dolls this woman had collected. So they carefully removed all the dolls. They removed everything inside of it. They removed all the mold-covered interior of the room. And when they were finished, Adam... Hamilton he, he talked with the owner who said that they had stayed for the storm because the water had never reached them in all their years. But the storm came, the flood waters rose, and like so many, they they ran to the attic for their lives. There they waited out the storm. And they could hear the tornado as it spun off from the storm, traveled across the street from house to house. And this grandmother said she was terrified. The house next door belonged to her daughter and it washed away. And then she said this, we were terrified. But this one thing I knew, I belonged to God. I didn't know how this would work out, but I knew my life was in his hands. She knew that she was a child of God and that God loved her, and she gave, and that alone gave her peace in the midst of the storm. Jesus was with these guys in the boat. His presence alone should have given them peace. So Jesus asked the question why are you so fearful? Why do you have no faith? These questions are thrown at us whenever we find ourselves in a panic. But God has no desire for your life to be filled with panic. His desire is for your life to be filled with peace. So he tells John 14 and 26, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. I don't know where you are on your path of faith in Christ. You may be a new convert trying to figure out this walk of faith. You may be a seasoned Christian who due to a storm that you're in are finding yourself struggling with your faith. Or you may be lost and far from God. I want to encourage you that no matter where you are, if you will commit to placing your faith in Jesus Christ, he will protect you in the storm. Jesus has the power to control the sea and the winds. His disciples even said, who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? He is the Messiah. He is the anointed one of God. He is the Christ, the son of God. And he has the power to control the sea and the storms and nature itself. So I would encourage you today, place your faith in Jesus. Because he can calm any storm that may come your way. Matthew 28 and 18 says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. There's nothing on earth that has authority that he is not ruler of. Romans 1 and 4 declared, Jesus has power according to the spirit of holiness and by the resurrection of the dead. So there's nothing that has more power. Than he has listen when we place our faith in Jesus, we can join the songwriter, as he says, "I am tired and weary, but I must toil on till the Lord come to call me away, where the morning is bright, and the lamb is the light, and the night is fair as the day. there'll be peace in the valley for me some day." There'll be peace in the valley for me, I pray. No more sorrow and sadness or trouble will be. There'll be peace in the valley for me. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I I don't know where you're at, but I want you to know God doesn't want you panicking with what this life throws at you. Instead, he wants you to have peace. And if today you find that you are struggling, having peace in the midst of your storm, I want to tell you that God is there. Cry out to Jesus and he'll give you peace. I'm going to ask Brother Don. I'm going to ask Brother Henry. I'm going to ask Brother Roger. I'm going to ask Brother Curly. If you'll just come up come up. These are men who will pray with you. If you're here today and you're a born-again believer and you're struggling with peace, these men will pray with you. They'll cry out to God along with you. Come. Let them pray with you. But if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I love to introduce you to Jesus. As these men are here to pray with the church, if you're here and you don't know Jesus, I'd love to share with you of a Savior who can calm your storm, a Savior who can give you peace in the valley, a Savior who loves you more than you love yourself, a Savior who will change the view of of the scope you're looking into, a Savior who will be with you until the very end.